Welcome to episode one of the White Code podcast titled The Journey of Medicine to Urology. Your hosts are Omer, Ashwin, and Bavik, and we're here in Los Alamitos, California with Dr. Stephen Hightower from Coast Urological Medical Group. Dr. Hightower attended medical school at the University of Vermont College and completed his general surgery and urology residency training at both State University of New York and the highly respected Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Today, we'll try to learn about his journey to medicine as well as his current endeavors as a practicing urologist. Dr. Hightower, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. That's good. So we'll just get straight into it. Um, so for your undergraduate studies, um, when exactly did you decide to pursue medicine? Why did you want to pursue it? Um, well, uh, so I, I feel like I was always drawn to medicine um, since I can remember. Um, you know, as a, probably when I was five years old, I felt the urge to pursue me- uh, something in medicine. Okay. Um, and... Um, I'm not sure why, just this kind of an inherent uh, drive that I had, and I had no family that were involved in medicine at the time. So was it just medicine in general, or just uh, becoming a doctor specifically? It, I think it was really just beca- becoming a doctor more specifically, yeah, is what I had always felt. Well, seeing, seeing that you attend the University of California, Santa Barbara, how was your experience as a pre-med student at Santa Barbara? Um, well, it was so. It was a, it was a very good experience. It's a it's a great school. Um, the location is is hard to beat. Um, and uh, they had a, a really solid pre med program. This was this was quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was a it was a great program. There was a there was a uh, pre med advisor that they had there that um, had kind of an open office policy, and uh, they were very good about. Uh, Helping, you know, make the right choices to uh, make your application the most competitive it could be for medical school. A big part of being a pre-med student involves activities outside of the classroom. What extracurriculars did you pursue during this time, such as research and clinical experience? Um, so I was a phlebotomist during college oh, okay. at the at the hospital in Santa Barbara, uh-huh. um, and I did that for um, for you know. Uh, multiple years mm-hmm. during there. Um, research, I did more research during college in my, you know, in my classes, in my upper, the upper class um, uh, years where we were involved in doing research projects. Um, uh, and I didn't really do any outside research at that time. How was your experience being a phlebotomist? How was that? That was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was, uh, you know, it was great to get in a hospital and see the inner workings and uh, that particular job was uh, was a, you know a, a job that would let you really get an in-depth kind of uh, view of everything going on and no one really noticed me but you're, you're involved with going and drawing blood all over every single different floor of the hospital and uh, so we got a lot of exposure and meet, got to meet a lot of people and uh, so that was just a wonderful Overall experience. experience yeah. yeah. So along with being a phlebotomist and then uh, research and everything, what do you feel like helped helped your application the most in to getting to med school? Um, <clears throat> the most was uh, I believe having a, a good GPA yeah, and yeah. Uh, and doing well on your MCATs uh, were were you know those were the two most important things. But your extracurricular activities were, they, they were a factor yeah. for sure. That definitely time. helped out. 
and then you I think when we did it you wrote a personal statement on your application that was a that was a, a you know, big thing I remember back in the day working on the personal statement and running it through the pre-med advisor and getting getting rewriting it, it and polishing it off yeah exactly so we see that you attended University of Vermont College. Uh, what was your thought process when you decided to attend University of Vermont? So um, I, I'd grown up in Southern California yeah. Yeah. and so spent my whole life there. So my, my thought was that I would wanted to kind of experience a different environment for medical school. So um, that's why I chose that school to go to. And, uh, it was a definitely different environment. And, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, was it a hard like transition? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't that hard. The reason is because I think if if you weren't so occupied, it would have been more difficult. But mm-hmm. you're when you're starting medical school, you're it's you're all in, and there's not a lot of free time. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't matter where you are. You're in the library. It's the same yeah. weather. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so it was a little bit of transition with the with the uh, winter but you know it, most of the time you're occupied so it wasn't it wasn't I didn't really have time to ponder it too much so during like uh, your entire time in your University of Vermont like what was the most impactful experience that you had throughout your entire schooling in, um, I think well it just in medical school in general I don't know if it's specific to Vermont but when yeah. you're you start medical school and and you do the uh, you do your your um, you know your classwork uh, before you do your, your preclinical rotations, yeah. and um, so that's you know that's essentially what you think it was. It's it's all encompassing. There's just you, you have to memorize huge volumes of of whatever whatever topic you're studying, uh, and then so when you when you finish that and you start clinical rotations, that's that was the that was a huge transition that yeah. was uh, you know very amazing to do <laughs> um, and because you, you finally feel like you're starting to do what to do you what you wanted now. to do at that point and uh, so that was the big my big transition um, for Vermont so during this time uh, were you set on specializing in urology or did you have other no I, I so I think during college from my phlebotomy time and uh, exposure to different specialties, although it was limited, I, I uh, kind of decided I was interested in orthopedic surgery. So I was, I was fairly gung-ho and certain I was going to do orthopedic surgery when I started med school. And then um, in, in my med school, which I don't think that is very common, uh, you were allowed to declare yourself a surgical major, and then we kind of fell under the under the guise of the surgery department. At the because it's a very rewarding surgery; yeah. it was great. Um, but then I found out about taking call, <laughs> and oh. so when which um, when you're on call, you know you can get called in for anything at and, any time. At any yeah. time, and. So I was getting called in a lot uh, into the ER because there'd be car accidents and broke, yeah, and broken yeah. bones, and you'd come in and you'd have to take them to the OR and pin the fracture and, yeah. and operate. And it was fun when I was a med student, but when I got down to it, I was thinking, you know, when I'm 
50, do I want to be coming into this. the, yeah. oh, you know, going to the OR every night uh, for these emergency cases? Um, and then, so I kind of thought about that. Still, still liked ortho a lot. Did ophthalmology? That wasn't for me. I don't. I didn't hate it, but I just I didn't want to really do that. It's yeah. mostly doing microsurgery your whole career. And then I did the urology rotation, and and I really enjoyed it. The surgery was very rewarding. The, most of the you know conditions there's treatments that are very successful the patients were happy the urologists in general were a really nice group of guys and, and women more women now than we had then uh, and so um, uh, I was just drawn to that and so after I finished all the rotations I had a big you know a big uh, kind of a uh, thought process and I decided that yeah urology seems like uh, seems like the right specialty for me and that's when I changed gears and pursued urology. Did you always want to do surgery? Like, was that something you wanted? I to did do? always want to do surgery. Yeah, okay. I, I thought uh, I'd always want to do something surgical. Got it. So I'm sure you were happy about matching with Roswell Park Cancer Institute. How was the matching process for you? The match. So the matching process. Urology had a different match. It has an early match, um, and so I remember. It's still. It's a little vague because that's uh, I've several years yeah, removed from that, but. The, uh, the process, I remember, um, you know, talking to my advisor, who was the chairman of urology at, the, at my medical school, and um, getting recommendations from him about what the best programs were and where he, he thought I would be a good fit, because he, they, it's kind of a regional thing when you're doing a subspecialty. It's, it's um, you know, you, you have a better success rate when you apply somewhere that your chairman knows knows people right yeah. uh, and so I uh, you know I talked to him I applied to multiple places you want to apply to several places because you, yeah. you're not guaranteed to get anywhere yeah. and, and it just depends on the more competitive the subspecialty yeah. the more you have to apply so I remember applying to a lot and you have to go around and interview a lot of places a lot. and they want you to usually it's better if you do a rotation uh, at at these places, then you have, then you go up on the list because you're a known commodity. Known there, yeah. So I remember going to do some rotations at places, and then, um, you know, so then, um, you know, when the match day comes, you hope, you just hope you're going to match. Gonna match <laughs> yeah. That's uh, true. So, yeah, that was a stressful time. I remember matching, is, match day is a, yeah. is a stressful day on everybody. Were you hoping to match somewhere closer to California because that's where you lived most um, of your life? I, well, um, not particularly. I wasn't dead set on it um, because I knew it was limited. I knew I, I knew that I wanted to come back uh, to California when I was done. Eventually. For sure, yeah. So I, I was okay with not being in California. So let's talk about your experiences during residency. How long did it take and what responsibilities were you given during this time? So, when, yeah, so when you start off as an intern, it was a lot different, I think, than it is now. Now there's... There's um, there was a thing called the Bell Commission that came in and they there were some cases that had bad outcomes because and it was blamed on residents being overworked and overtired so um, so that was after it was just at the end of my training I think I was probably a a, senior, a chief resident or the year before my chief year is when all this went down and so um, I had no 
limits on uh, call or hours when I was a resident. So it was kind of it was kind of brutal at first. We were on call every third day and on some rotations and some it was every other night um, and then the next day you're uh, you're working till like 9 p.m. at night so you just basically get from 9 p.m. till 6 a.m. you have to come around the next morning and we get one day off every three to four weeks <clears throat> which is so that's a lot different than it is now and it's better that it's not like that because yeah. you get pretty pretty uh, overworked and uh, yeah, so that wasn't a good thing, but so that was a big deal because when you're a med student, you have very limited responsibility and call. Uh, and then when you when you're an intern and you first start, um, you know you just double think everything that you're doing. You know, if you order a Tylenol and someone you think, oh my God, is that is there any interaction that's going to happen, or <laughs> am I going to? Is there going to be a bad outcome from that Tylenol? Yeah. Uh, but then that that quickly you get over that, yeah. and then uh, yeah, and then you know really it's just it's just you're learning a lot through osmosis. I mean you're reading a lot, but you're you're learning a lot just from being there in the it's trenches, yeah, yeah, exposed sure. and and doing repetitive things. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's you know residency is a it's a very exciting time in in everyone's life when they're in it. Uh, but no one would want to do it again. <laughs> so, what were some like responsibilities you had while being a resident? Um, so, the so for urology we had when I did it there was a two you had two years of general surgery residency, and then you switched to urology, yeah, urological okay. surgery for four years. So we had a oh, six okay. year residency. So the, the first two years you're in the general surgical department, and so you're doing. You're on the same pathway as the as the residents that are staying in general surgery, uh, and so we, uh, you know, we would round early, pre-round on everyone. Uh, we you'd go through different rotations. You do general surgery, vascular surgery, then you'd go through specialties. We did you know pediatric surgery. We had a children's hospital. <clears throat> we did oncologic. We were at Roswell Park Cancer Institute, um, and. Um, a lot of vascular surgery. I don't know if I said that. We did yeah. transplants, re- kidney transplants. Laparoscopic surgery was just in its infancy when uh, I was there. Yeah. So we were doing laparoscopic uh, surgery, like cholecystectomies for gallbladders, and um, that was that was a big deal. It was a new thing, and really? uh, so we would go and you'd wake up and you'd pre-round, and then you'd. Then you'd round with your your team with the chief resident and then the the, the more senior residents and then you're the intern and then after that then you decide on your game plan for the day and your chief resident would would basically tell you what that's going to be so it would be you know go discharge these people and you're doing you're doing all the 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 uh, Scott work basically. Yeah. <laughs> so you're discharging people, you're dictating summaries, you're like a pretty broad field. Yeah, you know, writing orders, putting in the daily orders, uh, reviewing labs, and then then they'd tell you, okay, well once you're finished that, then come into this surgery, and then you you're basically watching surgery, and then they let you have a little role, you know, like you might be able to might be closing incisions or something yeah. at that point, and then um, depending on how you do, then it progresses, and then. You do a little bit more. It's yeah, exactly. So once you're good at that, and then they'll let you, you know, maybe tie off a vessel or something. And yeah. It's it's 
Small steps, Small steps exactly. Over time. Yeah. yeah. Um, when faced with hardship, did you ever feel like giving up? If so, what pushed you to continue? Uh, I never felt like giving up. No, Small I j- just doubled down and and put push through it essentially. And I know a lot of pre med students are going to listen to this podcast and want to hear the answer to this question. Um, how can one set themselves up for a path to success on the journey to medicine? Um, I think if you have a long-term plan, uh, it's, that would be a good thing. So if you, if you know or have an idea of where you want, what you want to accomplish, what, where you want to end up, um, that can help along the way. It can help you guide you in your choices because there's a lot of variables that can happen. And, you know, um, so it's, it's good to have that long-term plan and that kind of keeps you on the right track. So as you were getting ready to complete your residency training, did you plan to work at a hospital or a private practice? Okay, yeah, so um, I, I always wanted to be in a private practice um, with, with urologists, with other urologists, yeah. a single specialty private practice. Um, at the time, that was more prevalent. Now it's going, things have shifted, so you know, there's, a, there's significantly more employed jobs than I think all all roles in medicine than there than there was, you know, 20 years ago when I um, finished residency. Um, so that's what I, I was drawn to that, and I knew I wanted to be in California. So I looked out here on the you know I wanted to be on the coast. So I looked at different practice opportunities, and, and that's why I ended up choosing choosing private practice here. Um, were there some things you wish you knew before you started working at a private practice? Um, yeah, yes, I wish I knew uh, a lot more about the business of medicine, uh, which is something that they don't teach you a lot about. Uh, I think it's changing a little bit, but I, in general, I don't think they do. But that being said, um, with the uh, things shifting towards more in employment, uh, you know, being employed, um, then I think it's not as it's not as important if you're if you're gonna if you want to be you know, a, an employed uh, physician. Um, to know business. To, to know business. I mean, it, don't, it never hurts, yeah. but, uh, you know, running running a business, doing a lot of human resources, essentially, you know, you have to, you have to know how to manage employees and uh, how to, you know, um, administrate all, all, of, all of that HR yeah. where you're, you know, you have healthcare salaries there's a there's a lot of moving parts um with Other holdings practice yeah it's a whole has nothing to do with anything with medical medicine, care yeah right it's a separate thing and then more specific to medicine about um you know coding coding for different um uh, medical issues and billing, billing uh which is a whole uh that's a whole specialty to itself yeah, almost it's a whole it takes a long time to get proficient in that, uh, and it's changing all the time. There's all kinds of changes going on. Going right. on, it's it's dynamic. Um, so those are the things I wish I would have had more expo- exposure in, and <clears throat> it wasn't even addressed at all when I was in residency. Um, so, in this day and age, do you think it's worth opening up or working for a practice rather than just working for a hospital? Um, I think that's a total personal decision. Personal. Yeah, I think you can do, you can do equally well with either models, model. Yeah. There's pluses and minuses with with both. You know, with the 
if you're an in just an employed position, um, again, you don't have to stress about a lot of this uh, administrative stuff. The, the staff around you is someone else's, you know, uh, is someone else's uh, job to, to make that happen and to take care of that. And, you know, if there's a problem, you discuss it with them, but you're, they, they have to fix it. You don't have, you don't have that responsibility. Um, but you, then you have, uh, you're being supervised by other people, people or entities. Yeah. And so you don't have the autonomy or you Freedom. might, you might not have the autonomy that you'd have if you're in private practice right. and you're, you're making your own decisions. So, Definitely. um, yeah. so, you know, you might not be able to take that day off or do that long weekend or whatever. And um, what path did you take uh, to establish yourself as the president of the governing board of Reagan Street Surgery Center? <laughs> oh, so, okay, so, yeah, so the surgery center, that's a separate thing. So um, when um, when I was in practice for a while, I'd say probably five years or so, um, some other surgeons, we, we were finding that a lot of the procedures we were doing were becoming less invasive and the majority of the procedures were turning into outpatient procedures so the patients would go home. Hospitals are really designed for inpatients and although there's outpatient departments and, they, and outpatient surgeries done, the system is not that efficient and so um, things take longer, there's a lot of wasted time in the hospital <clears throat> just because that's how it is. It's just, it's kind of a bureaucracy at most hospitals. So we were finding we were doing these cases that the patients would go home. Uh, they'd come in from home, they'd go home after, uh, but they were taking a long time. Uh, and so we, were, we felt like we were inefficient. And so um, we decided to look into starting our own ambulatory surgery center. And so we did that and we then we developed, we started the, the Reagan Street Surgery Center about 15 years ago. And um, we, we built the building, we got it certified and, uh, and then started that. And so I was one of the, I think there were four of us that started, four, four surgeons, <coughs> we're, we're a multi-specialty center. Yeah. <coughs> and so um, I, uh, I was on the, always on the board. Uh, I think I was the, the um, vice president of the board at first for a couple of years and then um, you know uh, the president I think wanted to step off had other interests there was there was to, yeah to do and so I took over uh, as president they asked me to and so I've been doing that for many years yeah. what are some responsibilities that come with doing, being president um, it's well basically anything that operationally is uh, there, whenever there's an issue with anything decisions. then it comes up to me to okay. try to make decisions and delegate authority on that and um, you know to stay certified there has to be a chairman of the board who yeah. uh, I have to review a lot of documents and I have to sign off on new privileging for new physicians that want to join um, so that's what it is and then and then also the the business side I we we have to make sure that we're financially solvent and, yeah, and, uh, process. and yeah. so we we review all the financials and make sure that's that's uh, happening. Yeah. <laughs>
So looking back on your journey through this whole process, is there anything that you would have done differently? Um, well, that's a hard question. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure there would be, but it, overall, no. I think I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty uh, happy with where I am and where I came from, from and um, you know the process to get here. So don't, don't have any regrets. So as we wrap this up, um, are there any suggestions you have for aspiring pre-medical students or anything you uh, want to tell them to help their whole project doing this? Um, let's see. So I would say that uh, there isn't, you know, it, it seems like uh, when you're in the middle of it that this is a, it's an ultra-long process and it's kind of the, the definition of delayed gratification to go through it. Um, but, um, you know, if you if you stay strong and and keep focused, uh, it will go fast, go a lot faster than you think. And uh, once you're through it, looking back, uh, you know it's it's you know it's a it see it, it seems at the time it's difficult. Uh, I look back and that was some of the most enjoyable times uh, or memories from residency and friends that you make during. You're going to make a lot of a lot of relationship and friends during residency. And medical school too. That um, that there's nothing else like it in life. That you're that you're put together with these people, and so that you have this lifelong bond. Your medical school class becomes like family. My class, I think we had 93 uh, students in the class, and you know every single one of these people. If you don't see them for 10 years, uh, you'll see them at the reunion, and it's like you. It's like your family. You yeah. Just, yeah. You, everyone is is. Uh, gone through this experience that that is unique to to these 93 people and you feel like you share this lifelong bond so all right well that's about it then dr hightower thank you so much for your time anytime you're welcome